I, I really felt that much encouragement from the Lord for what I have on my heart for us today. So without any further ado, let's get going with 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. You'll find it in the New Testament. Uh, you'll get the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. And we had chapter 12, verse 1. And we're continuing our work or looking at the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, today we're going to be looking at his work in the church and we'll see how precious this body is to the Holy Spirit. Let's read from Acts chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers or sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. A quick uh, background to how we got here today. We started off in week one with the person of the Holy Spirit. He can be related to. We are to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Although he's on the side, he's not in front. He helps us love and live for Christ, but he's there. We must be aware of him. And the first time you became aware of the Spirit in your life was when he awakened you to Jesus, and you could see the glory of Christ and believe in him. He helped you in salvation. But friends, then he started to help work out that salvation, and we looked at the daily infillings of the Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Spirit is our ability to yield to His influences every day. It's our choice. We've got to choose to do it, and God promises the help as we do it, and we get changed from one degree of glory to the next as we yield to these daily influences of the Spirit in our lives, but there are also special infillings we can have along the way. Mighty fast-forwardings of the work of the Spirit that are a blessing not only to us, not only to the world that we learned last week, but also to the church. And we looked at last week the Spirit in mission, about how at the heart of the Spirit's work is to make much of Christ in the world. So he makes much of the gospel, of how people can come into this kingdom and be um, made in the likeness of Jesus. And then, of course, today we come to this great, and I, I hope you've thought of it this way. You know, often I didn't. The first thing I was keen to get into, get into after the work of the Spirit in mission was the spiritual gifts. 
What are these? I mean, everybody's, what's the gift of healing? What's the gift of faith? What's the gift of tongues? I'm sure all of you, it's on your mind, where do we stand? How do they work? How do we have more of them? That's next week. <laughs> because where I want to start today is, do you know that the Spirit has a mighty work in the church? Oh, and I am so refreshed in my spirit today, and I, it's going to be a challenging word, but it's, 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 it's going to be a word that I hope refreshes you, as Cheryl shared. When you start to see this world in comparison to what the Spirit is doing, it makes you live differently. And my opening point today is that the Holy Spirit loves the church. Do you realize that this morning? Wow. Every single week we have been talking about John chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. You see, it's part of the Spirit's role of glorifying Christ. Let's read together from John chapter 16, verse 13 to 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And here it is, he will glorify me. It's Jesus speaking. He will glorify me, Christ, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Now, friends, if his role is to glorify Christ and the church is the body of Christ, don't you think the Holy Spirit has a deep concern for the state of the church in this world? And don't you think the Holy Spirit, please listen to me this morning, has a deep concern of how you relate to this wonderful spiritual extension of Christ, the body, which is the church. And we know that in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, we see that the Spirit is very, very uh, jealous over the well-being of the church and is, in fact, the reason for the church's enlargement on planet Earth. Let's read from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. He says, if you want the picture of Christ, he's the head and we're the body. And although we're different, it's wonderful. There's great diversity in the room here. We're one in him. We're bound to him. We belong to him and, by extension, to each other. And in Ephesians 4, verse 15 and 16, it's a powerful way Paul describes this activity of, of, of the body of Christ empowered by the Spirit. He says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in Love. Friends, this morning, if you truly see the church this way, of being the body of Christ, it will change your life. When you see, please, SBC and those joining us for the first time or the first few times, when you see these people they are an extension of Christ to you. Which means every time someone serves a cup of coffee in hospitality, they are serving 
Christ. Every time that someone seeks the welfare of the church, they are seeking the welfare of Christ. Every time someone seeks to be a blessing to the church, in actual fact, you're being a blessing to Christ. When you start to see the glory of who the church is to Jesus and how she's one with him and how the Spirit is working to see the well-being of the church for the glory of Christ, you start to see your life a bit differently in relationship to who she is. What I want to rescue us from today is thinking that the church is a building, God forbid. What I want to rescue us from today is thinking the church is merely a sermon that I can catch up during the week. Friends, today, if we, by the help of the Spirit, can see the glory of who the church is, not only to Christ, but being extension of himself, oh, you can't look at her the same way or see your purpose for living the same way. The meaning of what is happening here and your participation in it becomes very significant to Jesus. And you see, the reason why the Holy Spirit is powerfully at work in the church is because he's the one that put you in it. Do you know that? 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 is very clear. It says, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slave or free, doesn't matter where your background was. It's a matter where you landed in faith. And it says, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It wasn't Christ that put you into his body. It was the Spirit. The Spirit's work is to fuse you in that moment of coming to salvation, to Christ. Now, that's profound. And do you know that not only did the Spirit put you into the universal church when you came to faith in Jesus, this one body with many members, is he also put you into the local church. Do you know how we know that? It's because of 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 14. It says, to each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common. Can we give it louder? The common. In other words, not only did the Spirit put you into the universal church, but he put at least one aspect in your life, one tool, which is called a spiritual gift for the building up of the church. Now, that implies you are here. That implies you are around Christians that you can be a blessing to and exercise what God has given you for the strengthening of the church. That implies that there is a local expression of community that is essential for us to walk in obedience to the Spirit. Are you with me this morning? Maybe you'll catch up. Ah, I can't wait for communion today. There's so many good things to, to enjoy in Christ. Can I read 1 Corinthians 14, verse 12? So with yourselves, he's talking to each one of them individually. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestations of the Spirit, these ways of the church being strengthened through her people operating with the help of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the... He's not talking about the universal church. You can pray for the universal church, but my friends, your gifts are experienced by brothers and sisters that you are in community with in the local church. And, and Jesus is saying, part of your obedience to the Spirit, like Karen did this morning, like Cheryl, these wonderful guys serving, everybody, they are living out the summoning call of the Spirit to love the body of Christ. That in this place, we are not just simply to, to, to fulfill functions. No, we are here to be a blessing to Jesus. How? By ministering to his body. It's glorious. It's wonderful. And 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 says, All these, these spiritual gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one, each one here. 
individually according to how he was. You have not only been placed in the local church, but been blessed with something in your hands that is anointed by the Spirit. Conspicuous or inconspicuous doesn't matter. We'll get there in a moment. But you have been given grace to strengthen the body of Christ here. Praise God. And 1 Corinthians 12 verse 18 says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. You know, he, he, this church and the universal church, this church within the universal church, even in every aspect of the church, is beautifully composed like the body. And each part has to play its role. And the point is this, is the Spirit has equipped you to be a blessing, an essential blessing to the body. Now, my second point is this, is, is, what, is this what is this blessing in our hands? Well, it's called a spiritual gift. And we'll look at, it comes off the back of a kind of character. But Joe will unpack this in much more detail. But I need to talk about this first so that I can help us land on the second. What is a spiritual gift? Well, it's a great question because Paul had to answer. It was a question for the Corinthian church, and I think it's some questions here. Of what, is the, what is this aspect of the Spirit working in the life of the church through these various gifts? And 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, it says, Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Um, the reason why he says now concerning uh, spiritual gifts is because the Corinthians have written a letter to Paul. And they've got questions, and, and they, they want to know from Paul, how do these spiritual gifts work? They were very interested, very interested in how the Spirit manifested himself in the church. And if you had to look at Paul's churches, he planted many, but the Corinthians, they were the fireworks church, right? If you had to choose one of Paul's church plants, they would have been the ultra-charismatics. Woo! When you rocked up there, it would have been wild. And we know it because he's trying to calm them down and get some order. And there are also some outrageous things happening around the communion table. Maybe do it well today, not like the Corinthians. Some of them were being struck dead because they couldn't keep their appetite or they were coming up drunk. To the, I mean, it was crazy stuff. There was some sin happening in the life of the church which even the pagans around them blushed at. But this is the thing. Paul says to these Corinthians, he says, despite all of these things, you have been enriched in every way. When he saw his, this church, Corinth, their strength were the manifestations of the Spirit, not their character, not their sanctification. The Macedonians outdid them in that. But he celebrated the fact that this church was rich with the spiritual gifts. And 1 Corinthians 1 verse 5 says they were particularly enriched in the, in the areas of speech and all knowledge, so tongues, prophecy, words of knowledge, particularly in the speaking gifts. The Corinthian church was rich in every way. Now, Paul celebrates this, and so should we. He has to deal, we'll get to that in my last point today, he has to deal with their hearts, but he celebrates the gifts in their hands. And do you know how Paul defines a spiritual gift? He defines it as any manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I mean, you cannot get broader than that. Now, when I says manifestation, like, you know, like that, we tend to have a very negative context of manifesting, all right? That's not what it's talking about. It's any way the Spirit operates in the believer specifically for the good of the church. Must be empowered by the Spirit 
and its outworking must be for the good of the church. If that is the case in any Christian, that is a spiritual gift operating. And I want to point out to you this morning, I mean, Wayne Grudem, I'll just put him in there because he's a theologian much cleverer than me. But he's saying what I'm saying. He says, a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. It's any ab ability, natural or given later on by the Spirit that has the sanctioning of the Spirit to be a blessing to the church. And the Greek, the Greek word for gifts is charismata. Charismata, and the root word, I can't pronounce it properly. I don't know if it's a ch or a k. So it's like Afrikaans or English, I'm not sure. But I'm going to say charis, okay? Charis, which means grace. Grace. And hence, charismata means a gracious bestowment of divine influence. In other words, it's any aspect or help of the Spirit that comes into the believer's life that gives grace to the church. One of the ways I find it helpful to identify a spiritual gift in your life or in the life of others is particularly how you would experience it yourself. When a spiritual gift is operating in the life of the believer for another Christian in the church or with the church gathered, what the church experiences and what you will experience specifically is grace coming into your life, blessing, strengthening. So for instance, when there's the gift of teaching operating, there's clarity, there's help, there's a sense of an ability to not only understand God's word, but to obey it. You sense grace flowing to the church. Are you with me? When there's leadership operating, and, it's, 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 and that's why you can have a corporate guy, but he's useless in leadership in the church. His, his natural gift might be so great in the, in the marketplace, but there's no spiritual empowering for it in the church. So he doesn't translate to being an elder. But you might have a simpleton like me, who, who maybe led the under-16A hockey team, and has to lead a special general meeting, which is, which is intimidating in itself with the Baptist constitution, with scrutineers, and all sorts of things. But when grace is flowing through leadership, you can sense in the church, the church is starting to pull together. There's unity, there's peace, there's forward momentum. She is being built up because of the operating of the gift. Is you can feel grace flowing to you as the gift is operating. Friends, if it's not a spiritual gift and someone's trying to operate in what they don't have, it's the other way around. You have to give grace to the person as they're doing it. Grace is not flowing from them. It's in there. You're like, oh, Lord Jesus, please help them. Or maybe, maybe you shouldn't do that. When you do that, you tend to suck the grace in the room. You don't seem to bring it. And that is the difference, is you will notice in your life. If you have a spiritual gift, other people will notice. And, and oh, I'm taking Joey's sermon, but I need to do it because it's important. Is you, you, you try a whole bunch of different things. And what you start to notice, hey, as I do this, people are blessed. They strengthen. The church is built up. It's not rocket science. It can be conspicuous like a teaching gift publicly or, or a word of knowledge or... It can be inconspicuous, but the church needs both. Can I tell you, can I boast about our staff team a little bit? I tell you, you want to have grace flow to the church in terms of administration, you put Debbie Hill behind that. Amen. Mark can tell you. When, I, I, when she sees me start, she goes, Matthew, 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 give it to me. 
And she sits down. Within seconds, I can just feel grace. The Constitution. She has administrated. You put a goal in front of Nikki Fetting. She will strategize the heck out of it. She will help the team pull around a, a, a precision point. The team will have these next steps. Nikki, she might not be preaching on stage, but goodness me, she helps the team orientate itself. You put, put Bryson, there'll be evangelism. You put Mark Wood in the room, you, there'll be wisdom. You put a difficult brief uh, that's very hard to understand in front of Joe Prince. He will come out brilliantly, preach a, a a simple sermon on complex topics. I mean, I can go on and on. There's Mark Kay. I mean, goodness me, is Mark Kay in the room here? I don't know. He's always speaking. Do you know Mark Kay is such a blessing to this church? Have you seen how wonderful our venues are? Have you seen how perfectly the teams are orientated, communicated, problem-solving? What a blessing. You don't see many of these guys behind the scene, but you feel it here on Sunday, although they don't get the credit for it. The gifts are working. They're strengthening the church. What a blessing. You know, it can even come down to your personality. You know, some people, when they're in the room, God just feels so good. And the church just feels such a blessing. When they're gone, it doesn't quite feel the same. I'm still in mourning over a couple that left to plant a church from us and plant a church. Oh, may that not be theirs just yet. They've got a few things. Plant another small group. And they are the perfect picture of when they are in the room. I tell you, it feels good to follow Jesus. I feel so loved. They will never let you have a conversation where they don't ask, how are you doing? What's going? Let me tell you, they are a gift simply because of their warmth and hospitality. Friends, many of you, many of you are operating. You open your homes for small groups. Small group leaders, you are loving this flock, however difficult or easy it might be. All these different people with different expectations. There are all of these manifestations of the gift, and the church experiences it as grace. And let me tell you, friends, that grace is, 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 is non-negotiable. It is, it is indispensable. She is being built up. Whether you think you're conspicuous or not, she needs it in every part. Just as I have some public parts, and there are some parts that are covered for good reason. It's the same. You get some that are in the front, others that are, are hidden, yet both form the body, and both are a necessary blessing to the body. Are you with me so far? And the number of gifts are indiscriminate. You'll have lists, but friends, no Christian has the same composition of gifts, and even if they have a similar or same gift, do they use it in the same way? Did you notice Karen shared differently to Cheryl, who shared differently to Mark? Or having a sense of what God's uh, word was, a sense of what God was laying on the heart for the church. But all of them expressed it differently. I was going to chip in too, but you're going to have 35 minutes of me hopefully to go. So I, I, I reserve mine, and I'm expressing it in my way. But at the end of the day, friends, the spiritual gift is there for the blessing of your brothers and sisters. And each of you have one, at least one, and you've got to use it. Joe will fill in some questions around that next Sunday, but what I want to talk about is what Paul is trying to do at the same time as talking about spiritual gifts. My third and final point is, what is a spiritual person? Because if we don't get this this morning, church, the gifts either will be of no consequence to our lives, we will sit on our hands, or they'll be used in such a way where they can damage the church because of platforming. And, and I, I want to say, this is something that has been on my heart. I, I, I'm trusting God to give grace. I have got a burden on my heart, a good burden. 
but we, we, we need to grasp this as a church, is what is a spiritual person? You see, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. That word spiritual gifts, gifts is slotted in there as a commentator's interpretation. It's not in the Greek. In actual fact, it just says, now concerning spiritual things, spiritual matters. Or if you look at your ESV, at the bottom of its footnotes, that spiritual gifts can be translated spiritual person. And this is very significant because when Paul starts to unpack the gifts, he wants to unpack what kind of person should we be as we seek to use them. You see, you can't separate the two. The gift has to flow through a person, right? And so when Paul talks about the Holy Spirit, he's talking about not only the apportioning of the gift in the believer or gifts, but he also wants to talk about the nature of that believer's life that is essential to them being used well or being used at all. And so he wants to teach on the gifts, but he doesn't want to not teach on the person. He wants spiritual gifts in a spiritually minded person. Now, Paul, please listen to me. Paul, Paul wants the Corinthians to be clear, and he wants us to be clear this morning. That although someone may be gifted spiritually with, with spiritual gifts, it does not mean that they are spiritual. Please, that's very important. Just because someone has a spiritual gift or has spiritual gifts does not necessarily mean they are spiritual. Do you know what Paul said to this Corinthian church that was so gifted in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 3? Let's read it together. It says, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not yet ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Friends, although this church was so gifted, she was divisive. People were trying to grab these spiritual gifts and outperform each other on the stage. Praise God, we don't have that problem here in this church. But I've been in churches where it's been a problem, where it becomes a competition rather than serving the body of Christ. And the one is not trying to outdo the other one in honor. The one's out out trying to outdo the other in giftedness. And what was happening in the Corinthian churches, as one was grabbing the gift of teaching, they would say, yeah, yeah, you can follow me. Another one was trying to grab the, the gift of prophecy. They were trying to use it in such a way for selfish ambition, and it was damaging the church. And it was causing chaos. There was chaos in the public worship. I mean, goodness me. If you really read between the lines in Corinth, it was a, it was a bit of a circus. And what I want to be jealous of in your hearts today is to not be hungry for the gifts without being hungry for the fruits of the Spirit. I don't know. I'm trusting God to help us this morning. But when you start to talk about spiritual gifts, we can see opportunity, right? And that's good. But it has to be for the right reason. And what I want us to be in this church jealous for is what Paul was jealous for, the Corinthian church. He wants them 
to use the gifts God has given them. He's calling them out and saying, come on, guys, this is for the common good. We understand we're not just here for ourselves and what we receive from each other. We're here to be a blessing to one another. And I'm jealous for you to be active and serve and get stuck in because as God's grace is moving through you, so the church is being built up and the Spirit loves it because as the church flourishes, so Christ's name flourishes on this planet Earth. And that's what the Spirit is after, church. He's wanting a people alert and alive to be a blessing to God's kingdom. So he wants them to be active. He wants them to use the gift, but oh, he wants them to use it for the right reason. And can I say to you, what is the first fruit of the Spirit? It is, you've got to say it louder. It is love. You only get commended by God if your motivation as you use the gift is that you love these brothers and sisters and that you recognize as you love him, you are loving Christ. Christ. The gifts can also be used in evangelism. You are loving the lost. Friends, Paul wants to guard against their misuse by asking them to prize both the gifts of the Spirit as well as the fruits of the Spirit. And this is where I want to join and dovetail is we must be as serious about the sanctification of the Spirit, where we are coming under His daily leadings, His daily promptings. Remember we said the daily infillings are being possessed by the Spirit. The Greek says the implication is being under its com- His complete control. As we yield daily to His, his influences, oh, that's the best way to you, be used by Him to be a blessing to the church. Do you know the kind of church that gets celebrated in, in Revelations chapter 2 and 3? is a church that loves. The Corinthians didn't get any commendation here because of their lack of love. But friends, today I want to ask you, I want to ask you, do you love the church? Do you love her? Because the mark of a spirit-filled Christian is somebody who has a heart for the church. Why is that? Because you are coming under the influence of the Spirit who is jealous for the well-being, who is equipping and administering, helping him grow in truth, helping her remember truth, helping her be, she, she, he is, he's, he's administering into her in such a way that she is being strengthened. And so I, I want to ask you today, What is your love for the church? What room does she have in your heart? Do you see spiritually that sitting here, these brothers and sisters are an extension of Christ to you? Do you see here today that these brothers and sisters in Christ They are your eternal family. They aren't people that you just rock up and you say, how's it on a Sunday? It's friends. These are the people, whether you like them or not. I'm very sorry, you can't choose your family, right? Whether you like them or not, this is the household of faith. And I want to remind you that Paul will talk about 1 Corinthians 12. Guys, come on. We are here for the common good. You're a hand. The hand can't say to the foot, no, don't do that. I don't need you. 
I mean, what, how funny would it be to live life as a hand only? You wouldn't get anywhere. You can be all touchy-feely, but go nowhere. Think about if you try to be an eye and not an ear. Well, you can only see, but you can never hear. And friends, the idea is, Paul's saying, it's ridiculous to think that, that we can talk about the body of Christ and not think that we're intricately a part of it. And he's saying, guys, we, we need to operate. We need to be moving with grace in our hearts towards our brothers and sisters. Sure, we might figure out how grace flows, but we do it. We serve as, as the eye serves the ear and the, and the mouth serves the toe. We work together. We, we get things going. Oh, but we do it according to 1 Corinthians 13. We do it according to love. According to love. You know what Paul says? It's possible to use the gift without having any love in your heart. It's possible. And he says, you, 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 if I speak in tongues, 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 says, if I speak in tongues, oh, by the way, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 31, the verse before this, can we pop it on there? That's still more, and I will show you a still more excellent way. That still more is not in the Greek. In other words, Paul is not saying, oh, 1 Corinthians 13 is better than 1 Corinthians 12, that love is superior to using the gifts. He's saying, no, an excellent way to use the gifts is love. We love. We love. And he says, you can speak in tongues of men and angels, but not have love, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. You can be like a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. In God's eyes, a church without love, no matter how charismatic she is, she's hollow. She's hollow. And you see, friends, ultimately, as I come to bring this all together, there are only two kinds of love in the human heart. There are only two kinds. One is love of self, and the other is love for another. And you know how the love of self manifests and why it is so destructive to the church is because this love of self can lead to two ways of operating in the church. Love of self is expressed as self-interest. And that means if you have no love for the church this morning, when I talk about spiritual gifts and Joe talks about spiritual gifts next, next week, they will mean nothing to you because they've got no purpose in your life. You don't need to use a spiritual gift because these people don't matter. All that matters is me. What can I get from the vending machine this morning? What can I get so that I get my fix from whoever's on the stage? Maybe the worship was good, maybe it wasn't. But friends, the way love of self plays out is self-interest. All that you think about is how you're getting on in life, and there's no room. There's no room for the people of God. There's no room for the concern of Christ. All it is is how am I getting on in the race and whether or not I'm moving forward or not. And friends, the love of self, it, it manifests in a way of complete passivity because this kind of teaching of the body me being connected to something bigger than myself, me being connected to the, that I need a hand, I need a foot, and by the way, they need me. That way of thinking won't even come and register to a person who doesn't think spiritually about their salvation or the way the Spirit has, what the Spirit has put them into. It, won't, it will be totally irrelevant. You'll sit there going, can you please move on to the next book of the Bible so that I can be fascinated by something else? Love of self is passivity, friends. Passivity, and I would say this is where the Spirit starts to work in us, and He's doing it this morning. I want to ask you, are you being spiritually minded about the position He's put you in because He's put you in the church, and He's given you a function to play? But if you only love yourself, it will mean nothing to you. 
self-interest leads to passivity. The other way it played out was the Corinthian church, and I've been in a church similar, and I've fallen into it myself. It's awful. Is this need to be recognized. Ever come across someone like that? I've been that person. I want my gift to be recognized. It's actually all about me. It's not whether or not I'm coming here to be a blessing. It's how can I grab my opportunity to get the next step of recognition in the church. Oh, maybe maybe if I do this really well, they'll put me on the next serving team. Maybe I'll, do that really, I'll be the next small group leader. Maybe I'll, do that, and I'll be the elder. You know, we have these ways of the gifts needing to manifest themselves for the sake of self. And you know what happens when you get a person who starts to, to wield the, the gifts in that way? There is selfish ambition. That person will watch out who is doing better than I am. How can I get better than them? There's a competitive spirit. There's a divisive spirit. There's a frustrated spirit because my leaders aren't recognizing my gift. My leaders aren't acknowledging what I can bring to this church. How long is it going to take for them to see what I'm worth? Anybody ever heard that before? Is that you this morning? Well, you must ask yourself by the spirits, where do you land? Because there's either love of self or there's love of others and friends. When I talk about love of another, is the Spirit's primary way of working out your salvation in your life is to live a life of love. Love for Christ. Love for His body. And love for the lost. And Paul assumes that one of the marks of the Spirit, one of the marks of walking by the Spirit, in other words, a spiritual person, is that person is characterized by a deep love for the church. Do you want to know? Are you walking by the Spirit this morning, 8 o'clock? Do you want to know? One of the ways is what is your heart towards the church? It's one of the marks of being filled with the Spirit is a love for Christ's body his body. And uh, I, I, I want to just say I have been really burdened this week for myself and for you. We must examine ourselves, Sterling. We must ask ourselves the question, where are we in relationship to the Spirit around the church? Because how you view the church determines how you treat her. I'll say it again. How you view the church determines how you treat her. If she's just a sermon, well, you'll catch it up in the middle of the week. It doesn't really matter about being here. If it's just a building, oh, well, you'll make it sometimes, but when you leave, it's got no relevance to your life. If it's just about a social club, well, you'll stay as long as your friends are around. But if they're not going to pitch up, you're not going to pitch up. Friends, how you view the church determines how you treat it. If you view her like the body of Christ, and you start to see this is your eternal community, and you start to see that this is, this is the glory of what you get to be a part of in your salvation, and how you're essential, and these other people are essential in your life, and how you start to see, obviously, in the end, that God rewards how you love and bless him, that it sets you up for his well done in the life to come, it starts to make you look different or look differently at, at the church. It starts to make you realize that she takes priority in the way you make your decisions in your life. 
Now you're thinking, oh, yes, here he's getting me to not to come every Sunday so that I, I, we can fill this building and, you know, make Sterling look good. What nonsense. Can I say this morning, I am jealous for you to live in such a way that you get your well done. I am jealous for you in such a way that you, when you leave this place, have a framework for your life that you can say, this is what matters. This doesn't really matter that much. When I make my decisions, I can understand what is of true value and what's not really of great value. And friends, can I just say, as being a part of this community and being in this city and being in this stage of the human race, I can feel the pressure that is upon us to forget the value of Christ's body in our lives. I tell you what, no one here is sitting maliciously saying, oh, the church sucks. They're not. I tell you what our problem is, is we forget her glory. We forget what we're doing here. We forget the need and, and our participation in, 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 in the body of Christ. And friends, I want to say to you today, if the sermon can do one thing, may it reignite in your heart a love for Christ's body that you'd see as you minister to her, you minister to him. As you're with her, you're with him. As you care for her and pray for her and give to her, all of these aspects of life that, that, that our Christian faith involves, you are not just being a blessing to these people, you are being a blessing to Christ. Jesus! You are ministering to the one who bled and died for you. It's glorious. But you see, we forget. We forget the glory of the church, and, and we face the flesh and the devil. I tell you, the devil will throw everything he's got at you to not be here. He'll, he'll throw every argument possible, every aspect of the flesh, he'll turn up to make sure that, that this is something that becomes a distant memory. Oh, what are we doing again? Why well, do I need to be here? What's the point? And uh, friends, where, where Cheryl's word came in, which was so profound, a, a confirmation for me, was we are under such pressure in culture. Please give me your ears. This is important. I'm almost done. The voice of culture is so strong. And the best way I can describe it of what we are facing is the pressure to live the optimal life. Now, I'm trusting that God's going to give you eyes to see this, but friends, we need to have optimal family time, optimal finances, optimal sports, optimal hobbies, optimal rest, optimal holidays, opti everything that culture is telling us we have to have in order to have the optimal life, friends, is being breathed, breathed down our necks. And so when we start to make our decision-making, what is so strong in our minds is what we must have before we really give ourselves to this. And I'm not putting a heavy on anyone this morning. What I'm saying and what I'm acknowledging, it's going to be a fight for the rest of your life, and it's not going to get easier. And I am not saying that this isn't a simple decision-making. There are complexities. My wife is not here this morning. You saw the kids were hitting my backside, pulling me around. She's sick in bed, but we're here. I mean, goodness me, it's been a year of sickness. It's been a year of all sorts of things. But what I'm saying is the way we make our decision, what I'm burdened about as a church is everything is, is a but first. Oh, oh, I need a few extra hours of sleep because this week has really been hard. Or, you know, we've we got to make sure we, we, we get away to all these lovely places because we need to make memories. Uh, we've we, we got, we got to make sure that we, we, we've got this holiday home that we've got to be at. You know, we, now that we've bought it, we've got to use it, right? 
or, or maybe it's, it's the way that we look at sports and our children and their schooling. Everything begins to clutter the space of our primary place of departure, which is we are born again into a different kingdom. We're in one body. These are God's people. And the work of the Spirit is not to get further and further away from her. The work of the Spirit is to bind us more closely into her. And I'm worried, I am worried that the way we are thinking is not eternal. And I want to be the voice of God's word this morning which says, be careful when you do your framework of life that you value the correct things. I, I promise you today, God's word is faithful to build your life upon. And when he says, you have been designed eternally to participate and be a blessing here, and what you do will be remembered in the life of the next. It's true. But when we put temporary things in front of eternal things, we land into trouble. We do. And I have to ask you today, what are the but firsts? We'll listen to a sermon in two weeks' time. We'll unpack that, 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 that little phrase even better. But friends, what are the but firsts that come up all the time when you know the word of God, and can I say, you know the promptings of the spirit. No born again Christian has to be, has to be persuaded that, that to be amongst God's people is a good thing. And what I'm worried about is we, we downplay that voice of the spirit. We say, no, that's legalism. I don't need to be here. Let me tell you, you will never escape. If you are seeking to please God, you will never escape the compelling voice of the spirit to be a part of this. Never. And what I love about Christians is I understand some, you know, the best people to talk to are those that have, haven't been able to come to church for a long time. I was speaking to a lady the other day. She has been hospitalized for months. She has been virtually bedridden. But to come back here, she was saying, I couldn't wait. The Spirit of God. She could listen to the sermon. Oh, but she couldn't be part of the worship. She couldn't be a part of God's people gathering. She couldn't be part of this community, which the Spirit itself was confirming was so important in her life. She didn't need an elder to rock up and say, where have you been? You naughty person. No, what nonsense. The Spirit doesn't say, you must be here. The Spirit will say this. Why, why, why wouldn't you want to be? Why wouldn't you want to be? And this is the thing today, friends. Karen's word is so helpful. We drift. We, we, we lose our sight. And when we come to the Spirit and we ask for His help, we are able to think clearly. And I want to ask you today, are you being a spiritually minded person by seeing that all of the gods that this culture worships are going to fall flat before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That all of the things that are, are applauded in this culture as being so significant pale for the Christian in the light of this glorious eternal life we are going to enjoy with Jesus forever. And that changes the way that we live our lives. Friends, this is eternal community. This is part of your purpose on planet Earth. You might be asking, why have I been, for what reason have I been born? It's to be part of the church in Jesus, to work in your gifts, to function in such a way that you're a blessing. You're, 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 you're strengthening those around you. And what I'm fighting for this morning is, be careful how you make your decisions. Is we must be clearer. Paul says we must fix our eyes on what is unseen, not what is seen. What is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. Friends, I'm very sorry to say your houses are passing away. Your health is passing away. And, and, and all, what it's, it's bringing into my life, and this is the sum total of it, is there is going to be a cost 
there is going to be a cost to say yes to this. You're going to have to say no to some other things. That's just how it works. Is you have to forego the optimal life of saying, oh, this in, in the world's eyes is what I must have, heaven on earth. No, friends, heaven has not yet come, it's coming. And, and it's not the optimal life that we're after, we're after the abundant life. And what you'll find is as you yield to Christ's commands on your life to be faithful in fellowship, to be faithful in yielding to this influence of the Spirit in your life, to make you a blessing to your brothers and sisters and for them to be a blessing to you, you will start to find as you lose it, as you find it, you gain it, you start to see, wow, looking back on life, I'm so grateful. I yielded to what was eternal. Friends, today, you need to sit down with your spouses. You know, ask, how are we making the decisions in our lives? You need to sit down by yourself. If, if you don't have another teammate that you need to make that, you need to sit down and ask, are we living in such a way of understanding the glory of Christ's body? Of us yielding our lives to be a blessing to the brothers and sisters in Christ. And for us being here, for us living in a way that we are sharing our lives, our homes, every part of our lives, we are moving in the direction under the influence of the Spirit to be a blessing, to be present, to be here. Can I say one more thing? I have parents on my mind a lot this morning. You know, I, Marina and I know it's coming. But we have to make some decisions for our children around how they relate to church and school. And it's hard, it's hard. But I want you to know, Marina and I are having to make some decisions to say, how are we communicating the value of, of Christ's body to our children? I promise you today, parents, they will do what you do. They will watch you. And I have to be honest here, if it's exams above fellowship, if it's sports above fellowship, if it, what you are training your child to do is there isn't really any place or importance for Christ's body in their life. And what will happen is you will be their primary voice of faith in your home. You'll keep them together, but when they leave, they will do what you do. They will follow your rhythm. They will say, well, this wasn't really a part of our lives as a family. It doesn't really matter. And rather them enjoying the means of grace. They will need a bigger family than yours one day. They will need Christian brothers and sisters to be influences in their life. They will need the grace of God to keep them in ways you can't. And if you, say, if you teach them to say, we as a family are sufficient, myself is sufficient, you will put them in a position where they will not know how to live for Jesus and they will go down a road you will regret. And I, I understand that they make their own decisions, but I am grateful I'm grateful that my parents showed me another way to live and I had the choice to make. That's our best. You train the way a child should go and when they're old, you notice there's a gap. When they're young, you train, they, they're not quite sure what's going to happen, but when they're old, they'll know which way to go. And friends, today, I, I, want, to, I want to spur you on through God's word. Let us have a love for the church not because it's a, it's a legalism, but because we get to love Christ as we love her. Let's, let's, let's not neglect this gathering and, and this fellowship because it damages our spiritual progress. It does. You show me a Christian that resists fellowship, I would say it's a Christian that's resisting the promptings of the Spirit. 
How can that be a healthy spiritual space? You get a lean or a malformed Christian that seeks to grow on their own. And this is the last thing is it damages our reward. Hebrews 6 verse 9 says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. For God is not so unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints, as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises this is where i want to land today every ounce of your love for god's people and for christ is remembered church it's remembered and it's rewarded and on that day there is a future blessing to come that that makes you get up in the morning and say oh what am i doing i'm going here again what am I, I'm going to listen to another, another sermon. Gonna, what you start to realize is I'm going because I get to be a minister to Christ's body and I get to be with God's people. And as I love them, as I bless them, as I seek to serve them, as I seek to be here living out the commands of Christ, God is laying up an eternal weight of glory that will far away our pension schemes, our, our, our closets, our holiday homes, all of these things that are passing away. We, we're building up ourselves for a future glory that will be more wonderful than anything that we could have had here temporary on this planet Earth. And on that day, friends, we want to be a church that applauds each other well for living for what truly matters. That's it. You get one life. One life. How are you going to live it? Yield to the Lord. Yield to the Spirit. We're going to hold it from communion. We'll do it next week. Lord, this morning, I just am so grateful that we get to have a moment to push pause. And as Cheryl shared this morning, Lord, we want all of ourselves to bow down to Christ alone. And, and Lord, it is a struggle it is a struggle. We want control and we want comfort. But Lord, I pray today that you would call us afresh by your spirit to see the meaning and wonder of what it means to be here. That every act of love and service, every prayer, every act of sacrificial giving, every act of love for the church, is remembered, Lord. And some have sacrificed much here. They've had to say no to some things for the sake of saying yes to what matters to you. Oh, Lord, I pray today you would spur them on to see the glory of what they've said yes to. <laughs> and I pray for the one, Lord, here who is struggling to yield areas of their life. I pray for courage today to be faithful to the word of God that Lord as they leave this place they would be again spurred on to live for what truly matters do this for us God help us we pray make us a mature spiritually minded people enlarge our hearts for this your body make us a blessing we ask in Jesus name Amen. Amen. I'll see you next week.